I would like to know which rock you live under. Uh, but you may not realize uh, that today is also the first Sunday of Lent. Uh, Lent is not a tradition that we practice in churches of Christ. Uh, however, it's interesting that this passage comes up on the first day of Lent because Lent is all about uh, sacrificing, giving something up uh, for God during a period of time to help us uh, recall uh, everything that He has done for us. Uh, if you'll stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. And then you shall declare before the Lord your God. My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and depression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with miraculous signs and wonder. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. The word of the Lord. Excellent word, one more can he say than to you he has said, you unto Jesus forever. A couple of weeks ago, I stood before you and uh, uh, presented the budget for 2016, and I stated that uh, we don't talk about giving uh, much here at Johnson Street, and I stand by that statement except for when it comes up on the lectionary and that passage that we have today talks about giving. So we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about giving. I was going back through some uh, uh, previous presentations, uh, slides that I threw up uh, years ago, uh, kind of to introduce the topics. And so even though we're going to talk about it today, we're not going to spend 10 weeks talking about stewardship, okay? So just, you can... You can uh, be, be, be assured, okay, of that. We're not going to talk about tithing because actually it's verses 12 through 15 of this Deuteronomy chat passage that talks about that. This one always gets me. How come the waitress gets 15% and God only gets 10? You know, that, that's uh, one I came across. And then I don't know if you remember, but back in uh, 08, 09, when we had the economic downturn, kind of the Great Recession or whatever, 
we were concerned that maybe we weren't going to meet our budget. We did. Uh, but we were thinking, okay, well, how are some other ways that we can raise some money? So we thought about putting uh, locks on the bathroom stall doors so that you'd have to put a quarter in. You know, maybe that would. We thought about uh, a pew tax. Uh, for those of you who sat in the front section, it was going to be $1 to $5. If you sat in that back section, it was going to be 5 to 10 And if you sat in the balcony, it was going to be 10 to 15 You know, there's a subliminal message there to get you to move up front. We also thought about charging for coffee, 50 cents for a small cup, dollar for a large. We didn't do any of that. Everything has continued to work out fine. My goal for today is, is that you leave everything. No, just kidding. I want you to leave with all your clothes on. We don't have very many texts in the Bible that describe what worship should look like, and even more so when we get into the New Testament. But this passage in Deuteronomy does just that. It describes the purpose and basic structure of Israel's worship, at least a portion of it anyway. It describes a liturgical act. A liturgical act is a worship form or a method for worship that is confessional, in that the Israelites recognize that they had nothing to do with where they are or what they have, that it is all because of God's grace and provision for them. It's doxological, in that it is full of praise and thanksgiving to God for remedying their plight and bringing them out of the misery of Egypt and into the beauty and comforts of the promised land. It is responsive, in that all members of the community are invited to show their gratefulness by returning to God a portion of what God has given them. It is individual in that each and every person is invited to affirm what God has done for his or her life. It is corporate in that all share the same story of being rescued and the same memories of the ugliness and desperation of their past. And it is celebratory in that it calls them to enjoy to the fullest all the bountiful blessings that the Lord has given them. There are two declarations. One of those is in verse 3. You shall go to the priest who is in office, and at that time and say to him, Today... I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The act acknowledges that the land and all of its benefits come from the Lord as a gift, undeserved and unearned. And to say that I have come into the land is in effect to say I have received the gift. The second one is in verses 5 through 10 And they express the gratitude to God by telling and or remembering the story of how Israel received the gift in the first place. These words are often referred to as a credo or a creed, a statement of religious belief in which God's people confess their faith, declaring before God and others what God has done on their behalf. The person making the offering makes a response, a statement of faith or a declaration of the history of the Lord's dealings with Israel. Memory, memory plays an important role in the acknowledgement of God's gifts. They recall who they are by remembering who their ancestors were. My ancestor was a wandering Aramean, referring to the patriarch Jacob 
who had no place to call home or to call his own. And they further recall the terrible persecution of the ancestors by the Egyptians. The person also remembers who God has been for them by recalling the great compassion that the Lord showed to their ancestors. They remember how different things once were to how they are now. The Greeks believed that the goddess of memory was the mother of imagination. But for Israel, memory was more often the mother of faith. The way God's promises were rehearsed and named and claimed. Their faith originated in what God had done for them and grew as they recalled God's actions over and over again. And to remember this way is not simply to rummage through a photo album at a family reunion or an annual at a high school reunion. Oh yeah, remember this? This is when we crossed the Red Sea. How cool was that? You know, I'm sure it was cool, but... You know, they were between a rock and a hard place. What was going on then? What are they remembering? Had it not been the Lord and His intervention on their behalf, their plight would have been catastrophic. The genealogies and stories of Israel identified them as belonging to the God who never forsakes His people in the middle of the journey and whose grace makes of such memories the stuff which faith feeds on. This table that we come to every Sunday identifies us as belonging to the God who made provision by giving Himself as a sacrifice so that we might have life. What we do at this table is a part of our credo, our confession of faith that Jesus died, was buried and resurrected, And through his death, burial, and resurrection, our avenue to God and eternal life with him has been restored, not by anything that we've done, but by his grace and mercy. And often when we come to this table, we hear the words, do this in remembrance of me. And my question is, what do we remember? Is it simply, oh yeah, Christ died for me. Thank you, Lord. Uh, not trying to by any means be disrespectful, but what do we think about the suffering? What all Jesus endured, the betrayal, the cost, God turning his back on his only son who was spotless and pure and died in our stead. Do we remember where we were or what we were before Christ in the condition that we were in? Are we grateful? Yes, I'm grateful. But how often do I really consider and ponder the value and awesomeness of what Jesus did for me. And how often do tears come to my eyes or the weight of my sin bears so heavy on my heart that it causes me to fall to my knees. I'm not trying to put us on a guilt trip. Lord knows time and again, I don't focus on that. Even earlier this morning uh, in first service, I caught myself about between the bread and the cup you know, in my mind, rehearsing over what I was going to say. And I thought, wait a minute, you need to focus back. You need to come back about what this act is all about. For the last several Sundays, we've opened worship with the prayer, O Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. 
We do responsive in congregational readings because our worship is both individual and corporate. And these readings call us into communion with God and help us recall all that He's done for us and to be thankful and celebrate joyfully. Last Sunday and today and probably for the next two or three, we've sang uh, Blessed Assurance. And we're going to keep singing that. Part of that is because, as Jake said last week, we're in a transition period. And we want to remind ourselves who's really in charge, that God is still our rock and He's where our assurance comes from. But when you sing the chorus, I know when I sing the chorus, chills come down my spine. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Do I, you know, what is that story? Do I remember that story? Do I go back and think about where I was and what God's done and how grateful I am for that. Israel was brought into existence by divine grace and continued to be saved by grace alone. So in this simple action of giving back, them bringing their baskets and setting them before the priest, the declaration of that grace was reaffirmed as Israel continually renewed their confession of faith. A confession that transformed a simple act of giving into an assertion of the gracious and generous nature of God and reminds us, the worshiper, of, his, of our dependence on God for the sustenance that makes life possible. We don't do anything just because. There's a purpose for everything. Even when we give, that is an act of worship. We give because that's a part of our credo. That's a part of what we do when we come here together. It's a confession of faith. It's a confession that we trust and rely on God and we're giving back to God what is uh, rightfully God's. As followers of Christ, and I know you've heard me say this before, we engage in the discipline of giving when we regularly take a portion of our income and put it into the offering plate. Our offering has a twofold purpose. It helps us to grow as disciples of Jesus in faith and stewardship, and it helps us fund the work of the church. Sadly, the giving or giving as a spiritual uh, discipline is often associated with obligation, sometimes even fear. You know, how do I give away? If I give away of what little I have, will I have enough? Uh, hoarding, which may be too strong of a word, but be that out of fear or out of greed, traps us in a mindset of scarcity and robs us from intimacy with God. Giving changes our perspective. When we give, we realize how much we have. And when we give, we get a glimpse of the abundance of God. I read something as I was looking through different commentaries that Christian slaves back in, back in those days, uh, you know, they didn't get paid. Basically, they got room and board and they were to take care of whatever they did. But they would fast, uh, maybe two, sometimes three times a week. And I guess they had some kind of arrangement with their master, but their master would then give them, compensate them with, with uh, money, and they would go to church and they would put that money in the offering plate. The key to, discipline, uh, to disciplined giving is to see that all we have 
and I know we know this, time, talents, and treasures are all valuables that are on loan from the Creator. We are the stewards of these resources, and our assignment is to invest them in a way that maximizes the return, not for ourselves, but for the kingdom. You know, almost every time someone gets up here to pray before we take up the offering, the words, you hear the words, return a portion of of what you have blessed us with or what is yours to begin with. And this passage makes it clear that the land that Israel possessed still belonged to God. They were to possess and settle it, but it did not make them the owners. Uh, And I was thinking about that and it brought to mind I have two children that drive cars that I possess. I mean, that I own, sorry. They possess them. (laughs) The title is in my name. I own that car, but I have given it to them to possess and to drive and to take care of. It'd be nice if I were to get a thank you note once a year saying, hey, thanks for, you know, this. That's okay. But hopefully you get the idea that, you know, it's something that has been given to us to use And from that, we take and give back. How do we make giving cheerful? You know, we talk a lot about cheerful giving. I think it's we make it when we make it purposeful. Purposeful giving is the key to giving cheerfully. We are less likely to give grudgingly or out of necessity if we've already set aside what we want to give. I think that's what Paul was trying to tell the Corinthians as he also said, this is what I told the Galatians in chapter 16, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians. He said to set aside from your income so that on the first day of the week, so that uh, when I come, there will be no need for collections. I always still feel kind of weird every, you know, Sunday we pass out the plate and I don't always put something in there. I get paid twice a week. I use the envelopes I give twice a month. Uh, I mean, sorry, I get paid twice a month. I wish I'd get paid twice a week. That'd be nice. Um, The same amount that I get paid twice a month. Um, But, you know, it's not about, I mean, if you are weekly givers, that's great. But it's about setting aside a specific amount. The best thing that I took away, I don't know how many of you have done Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. I know Lois, I mean, uh, Loanne and Dan are doing that right now. But it was the notion of naming your dollars. He said, put a name on that dollar. If a dollar doesn't have a name, there's no telling what you're going to do with it. It also brought to mind the Voya commercials, uh, the orange money. You've maybe seen the one that comes to mind was the guy that's in the hardware store and he's looking at maybe buying a grill and there's a $200 grill and there's a $300 grill and $300 grill obviously has a lot more perks to it, but he's thinking, nope, that's my orange money. That's going to my retirement. So therefore I'm going to settle for this one. But it's knowing ahead of time what, you know, what all, where we have compartmentalized that out what we're going to give where and setting aside and what we're going to give to God. Purposeful giving begs some of these questions. And again, it's not about trying to put anybody on a guilt trip. It's just simply about challenging how we think and what we do and and hopefully challenging us to grow. But uh, one question, am I a regular giver or am I just a Jesus tipper? Some of you may remember Cameron got up here a couple of weeks ago and said often he finds himself scrambling at the last minute for some change to put in the collection plate. Do I want to be a regular giver or am I content to give sporadically when I have extra money or when I remember to do so? Do I want that gift to grow on a regular basis 
Or am I just going to be content at giving 20 or 30 or 50 or whatever every week? Do I want to give 5, 10, 15 percent? And how am I going to get there? Uh, several years ago, someone was visiting our fellowship hall class, and we have, I can't remember exactly what we were talking about, but they uh, t- made reference to a missionary couple somewhere in Africa that their goal was to get to a point to where they were given 50% of their income to God. Uh, I think that's great. I'm not asking us to do that, but, you know, set a goal for ourselves and move in that direction. When we return to God of what God has given, it reawakens the hope that God will always be there for us and that He will continue to take care of us. When we give, be it time, be it money, be it efforts, we are performing an act of worship done in gratitude for what God has done for us. In the act of giving, we are made aware that everything is a gift and that the ultimate meaning of our existence does not lie in our own efforts, but in the trust that God is constantly leading and protecting us. You know, all sermons don't end nicely, I guess, so that you can kind of come to a point of offering an invitation. Uh, But as you know, we always stand, we always sing, and there's always people that are going to be on the perimeters. Um, I don't know. Well, actually, I wanted to say something. We're going to have two baptisms today. One of those is going to be right after uh, this time, and one of those is going to be after uh, church is over. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, man, that is the, other than, Christ, other than God giving Christ for us, that's the best gift that we can give to God, is ourselves. Uh, and to enter the waters of baptism like the Israelites entering the land was to say that I have received the gift. And so, you know, as you do that, you're receiving the gift that Christ has given, the salvation that he's given, and hopefully you're going to live a life that's filled with gratitude and giving back for the rest of the time uh, that you're on this earth. But, but if you do have a need, whether that's uh, uh, you need something that we need to pray about or whether that's something you want to share because you're excited about something that's going on in your life, now is the time to make that known as together we stand and sing. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.